Well, good morning again. It's good to see everyone. Take your Bible, turn to Psalm chapter 8. And while you turn there, I'm going to ask Daniel and our sound booth come on up front, as well as his wife, Aubrey, who's on the left side, just walked off stage. So, Daniel, come on down. You're the next contestant um, as, as we get forward. And, Aubrey, if you're in the back, if you would please, please, pretty please, come forward. There we go. Daniel and Ar Aubrey Starvasnik, and it took me a long time to learn how to say that, have been with us for several years. I don't know how long, maybe six or seven. I, don't, I can't even remember, four or five. I remember the first time they were at a church. They were sitting right over there. I walked up to them. I said, welcome to River Hills. What do you do? And Daniel said, I'm a teacher. And he said, I'm trying to get a job at Athens. For some reason, that stuck. We prayed with each other, prayed for them, and all that stuff, and they have been here. Now, through COVID and all the shutdown, Daniel didn't go to work. And so Daniel said, hey, I can do all this video stuff tech stuff anything you need and so he helped boost our online platforms to the point where we said hey you have a job here now so he has been with us since then as a staff member but more importantly these two have led small groups these two have done so many wonderful things and i love them so much they're a wonderful part of our church family unfortunately his real job where he makes all his money so he can pay his bills is transferring him to ohio and so this will be their last huh i said that right right Ohio, okay, I get Iowa and Ohio mixed up. Up there, cold, okay. So they're gonna be moving, this is their last Sunday with us, and um, we wanna pray for them and send them out. They have been such a blessing to me personally uh, and to this church, and I think you would all agree with that. Uh, Daniel is still gonna be contracting with us, so he will be the man behind all, the, he's kinda like the Wizard of Oz, you know what I'm talking about? The man behind the curtain making it all happen. He can also make it all not happen if you get mad. And, um, but we love these two so much, and God has worked through them and used them in powerful ways, and uh, we want to pray for them. We do have a gift for them, but we're going to wait and do that in the second service, so it's, 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 <laughs> no, we do have it. Okay, you see that over there? We're going to give you that later. Uh, <laughs> it's a razor. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I know, can I say the last part? And they're going to be parents soon. So uh, we're so thankful for that. I'm a little bitter that I'm not going to be able to see the baby. But we'll get over that. I'll have to come to Ohio, okay? So I want to pray for them. Would you all pray with me for them, for them? Father in heaven, thank you for this wonderful couple. Thank you for the friendship. Thank you for the love. Thank you for their willingness to serve and how you've used them in so pr some profound and powerful ways. And I pray, Jesus, that you would work through them and in them as they make this transition. Provide a healthy, awesome church for them to be a part of. I pray, Father, that you continue to bless them in their marriage. Knock around, just, just put a hedge of protection around that. And, Lord, as they get ready to welcome an addition to their family, I pray for help for Aubrey, for strength, for wisdom, for both of them and clarity. I pray for this baby that would be healthy and come to Jesus one day. So, Lord, bless them, keep them, and guide them on their next adventure. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would y'all give it up for them one more time and say thank you? We love you guys. So, so Daniel obviously doesn't work with the school system anymore because uh, school systems don't transfer you to Ohio, right? <laughs> and uh, so when I first met him, he had a really short beard. But when he got out of the school system, he let it go. You know, he did the frozen thing. He just let it go, you know. Man, it's good to see you guys this morning. We had a good week. 
Feels good outside. Feels good in here. Take your Bible. Like I said, Psalm chapter 8. We're in the middle of a teaching series called Who Is He? We're trying to understand the character and the nature of God. Don't just stick with one idea that God is kind, even though he is. God is loving, even though he is. To know the complexity and to dive into the complexity of who God is gives us an understanding of how to seek him, how to acknowledge him, how to trust him, and how to follow him. And we've dealt with some big topics. Way back in August, we dealt with the knowability of God. And what we mean by that is God is knowable to you. And that's an important aspect there. Because you look under every other belief system in the world, there are hoops you have to jump through. There are things you have to do to even stay in favor with God. But when we understand the only God, the God of the universe, Jesus Christ, he is knowable in all of his sovereignty and all of his holiness and everything else. Everything else begins to diminish around him because he is the one. He's knowable. Do you know him? And I, and I, you know, you hear that said by a lot of preachers a lot of times, right? Do you know him? Do you know Jesus? And if you do know Jesus, are you growing? Are you knowing him more and more and more and more? My wife and I have been together, been married 20, what year is it? 2023. We got married in 2000, so always thinking. <laughs> 23 years. Been together, married 23 years, been together 25. Went on a marriage treat this weekend, this whole week, and spent time with her and getting to know each other again in some ways. And you know what? What I've learned is in your relationship with other people you never know the depths of that person ever but when you think about god the creator of all eternity will be an incredible treasure hunt of mining the riches of who god is he opens it up to you he's knowable do you know him then we learn about things about how god is wise now you and i can be wise sometimes but in our wisdom we don't always do it in a righteous way God is wise, and in his wisdom, he is righteous. Then we moved on to different things like he is sufficient. Have you ever felt like something was lacking in your life? Yes, absolutely, agreed. And we chase those things and all, chase, chase it in every avenue, every aspect, whether it be in relationship, whether it be in people, whether it be in resources or money or education or success, whatever it may be. But when we think about the sufficiency of God, he is sufficient for every need that you have and some. Then we deal with the idea of God is unchanging man the god of the old testament and the new testament has not changed in 2023 we may change but he's the most consistent thing in your life think through that for a moment the most consistent thing in your life is god he doesn't change and then last week we dealt with his jealousy which for us is not always something that is righteous but for god it is because he's jealous for you that's why we have conviction when we mess up. You understand that, right? It's not to make you feel bad, even though it does, and it should. But it's because he's jealous for you. Think through that for a moment. Maybe you were in a relationship one time, or maybe you had a relationship, or have one now, and that person was jealous for you. That's a good feeling, isn't it? God is jealous for you. Now, this morning... We're going to tackle a deeper subject. But I want to start out with a very important question. And I need some audience participation. If you're online, type it in. Who's the greatest baseball player of all time? Now, before I say that, I want you to take all of your favorite teams and throw it out the door, okay? Because we want to get to the greatest individual player. So, who's the greatest baseball player of all time? Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth. Who else we got? <laughs> 
Ken Griffey Jr., the man. Hank Aaron, all right. Anybody else? Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb. One more. Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle. All right. We got several out there, right? Some of you have more, and you're like, no, it's not. I mean, we could really have a debate about that and get in a fight about that. Could we not? Some of you are like, I don't even know what a baseball is. And that's okay. My brother, my little brother, went to Louisville, Kentucky. In Louisville, Kentucky, they have the Louisville Slugger Bat Museum. You follow me on this? Now, for those of you who don't know about this, Coach, you know all about it. Louisville Slugger is a bat. A bat is something you take to the plate and hit a ball with. Follow me? So there's this huge manufacturer of bats, and you go into this museum, and there's a wall of bats used by famous baseball players from all time. And so decades and decades of bats, and what they'll let you do is you say, well, I'd like to see Babe Ruth's bat. And they will literally take Babe Ruth's bat off the wall, let you hold it, and get a picture. How cool is that for the inner baseball junkie? You know what I mean? Now, my brother was leading a group of tech students who didn't know what baseball was, so they said, just give me number one, you know, whatever it may be. When you think about some of these athletes, it doesn't have to be baseball, and it doesn't have to be sports. It could be entertainment. Some of you are Swifties, and you need Jesus. And the thing is, you know, some of you are like that, and it goes way beyond that. Some of you stayed up way too late last night watching football, right? Some of you, some of us, we, we get into music. We get into art. I learned this week I can paint with my wife. We took a painting class. <laughs> Don't make fun of me. Here's the deal. You've got these people you live up to, and when you meet them face-to-face, -face, it's kind of like, wow. You ever met a celebrity like that? You came face-to-face -face with your hero? Could be anything. How many of you, and please don't raise your hand because it'll embarrass you, stayed up all night to watch the royal wedding a few years ago? Some of you did. Some of you did. Don't just admit it. You need help. Here's the thing. When we embrace or we see or experience someone who has done well, or is a celebrity, or seems to have some kind of superpower, like can hit a baseball out of a baseball park, there's a sense of majesty there, right? There's a sense of awe to someone, in some ways. When we talk about majesty in its true sense from a biblical form, we have to understand that God is a God of majesty. He is something else beyond just what we experience here in our earth suits. He is beyond comprehension beyond any control one of the worst phrases in the christian language and i say christian language is don't put god in a box you think you could do that maybe you're putting yourself in the box so move beyond just wow let's get into majesty the majesty of who God is. And why is that important to us? And I want to start out by asking this question, and I'm going to say it over and over again. How big is your God? Got that? Write it down. Think about it. Tattoo it. How big is your God? Psalm chapter 8, we have this incredible, beautiful picture of who God is. And what I want to do is walk through this about the majesty of God, then we're going to come back and give us some practical application. Okay? So follow through. Now, if you don't, probably the most popular book in the Bible that all of us turn to is the book of Psalms, right? 
If you go in the middle, pick one. There's a whole bunch of them. You can read it. These are collections of songs that the Jewish people used in their worship services. And they described God. They cried out to God. And many times they said, I'm angry with God. And that's okay. But in Psalm chapter 8, we have this beautiful passage of Scripture that talks about the majesty of who God is. Get this. Our Lord, our Lord. How much, we're going to read the whole thing, and we're going to come back and dissect it, okay? It's only a few verses. Our Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens through the praise of children and infants you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger and when I consider your heavens I love this the work of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have set into place get this next part what is mankind that you're mindful of him? human beings that you care for them You've made us a little lower than the angels and crowned us with glory and honor. You've made us rulers over the works of your hands and you put everything under our feet. All the flocks and the herds and the animals in the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the air, all that swim in the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. What? In all the earth. He is big. But what does that look like? Let's go back to verse one. God's majesty can be identified in several ways we will not exhaust it but let me give you a couple thoughts here god is greater than everything a pretty simple explanation right but let's deal with the practicality of that for a moment psalm 93 verses 1 through 2 it says god is robed in majesty what does that mean he's robed in majesty it's identifiable to who he is when you think about the majesty of God when he's robed in it the declaration of his presence says I'm greater and this is not an arrogant statement this is a statement saying I'm big better than anything that you try to make yourself comfortable with or sustain yourself I'm robed in the greatness They say never to meet your heroes because they will always disappoint you, right? But years ago, I met one of my spiritual heroes. It's a pastor. I think he's well into his late 70s now, maybe into the 80s. And whenever I'm feeling um, just kind of discouraged spiritually or I need to be fed spiritually, I always tune into one of his sermons. He's got 40 years worth of sermons, so I'll never listen to them all, you know? And uh, even when I'm riding the lawnmower, I just, I listen to it, you know? It's just one of those things that encourages me. And uh, he was speaking at a conference in Nashville, Tennessee, many, many, many years ago. And uh, I walked into the, the lobby of the hotel we were staying in. We were going to this conference, and there he was. First time I'd seen him face to face. And I walked up to him. And I want you to understand something. I am five, eight, and a half. Don't you ever take away my half. Y'all feel me? You know what I'm talking about, Jeremy. <laughs> dynamite comes in small packages and I walk up to this dude and I felt like the jolly green giant I was so much bigger than him now he was kind he was humble he shook my hand he smiled he said bless you like you're supposed to but I was like hello you know he was so small I want to put him up on my shoulder and carry him around you know what I mean Will you just talk to me and tell me how good God is all day? And, and, and you know, I want to just say something, and it's not, there was nothing in his character. He was humble. But man, age and just genetics made him very, very frail. And what I take away from that 
is this as much as I think of him there's only one majestic one and he's greater than everything majesty means he is the greatest thing in your life so the question is this how big is your God really what are we elevating above his majesty you, you follow this right then look at verse 2 here it says this <clears throat> through the and I love this verse here and it took me a long time to really grapple with this and I want to encourage you something you know how many of you guys read the Bible and you're just like I don't get it sometimes you read a verse and it's like that doesn't make any sense am I the only one just raise your hand if you're if you're there please all of us raise your hand because you are that person okay if you get all things scripture please come preach uh what I learned is, is through the, look at this verse. I wrestled this for a long time, read a lot on it. It says, through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Now, how does this connect with God's greatness? Think through that for a moment. Hey, leave the verse on the screen. Notice what's, I mean, through the, through, through the praise of children and infants, you establish, you establish a stronghold. What does that mean? It means this, God can use the most vulnerable, small, insignificant powerless thing and bring power you follow that he can use the thing that is the weakest and overcome everything he can destroy with a word create with a thought and use a baby i.e. Jesus to establish his kingdom you follow through this Here's the majesty of God in that, is that he has limitless power. Limitless, say that again, limitless power. There is nothing he can't do. Now, before I ask the question of how big he is to you, let me ask this question. Do you believe that God is limitless in his power? Yeah. But how he determines how to use that power is very different than what we sometimes perceive, right? That's what makes it limitless. My wife was at a conference a few weeks ago, and one of the keynote speakers was a lady named Catherine Wolf. If you've never heard that name before, Google it. Amazing testimony. 26 years old, after she'd had her last, her second child, um, uh, a cluster of blood vessels that had been there since she was a baby in her brain burst and she had a, 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 a stroke that affected her entire body now she's made somewhat a recovery but she should have died in those moments and had been there her entire life and she was rolled out onto the platform in front of 6,000 people and my wife conveyed this to me and I just thought it was heartwarming and beautiful she said some people see me like this even in my wheelchair and think and look at me and see pity she said, don't you ever do that. This represents freedom. Freedom that I can go places. Freedom that I'm not selfish and self-centered like I used to be. Yeah, it's hard, it's suffering, but there's so much, something so much better. Now, can God heal her? Everybody say yes. Yes. Does he choose not to? Yeah. Why? Because the limitless power of God goes way beyond you healing your bones it goes to the point of you healing your mind. 
that's way more complicated right god in his limitlessness in his majesty can take this junk that you're dealing with and turn it into gold man and i'm not talking about gold you put in your pocket I'm talking about gold that you just reap for the rest of your life. That is the soul-satisfying glory of God. You feel me? How limitless is your God? Second question, how big is your God? Can he take the nasty in your life and make it pure? Number three, let's go to the next verse. It says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set into place, he says, what is, man, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you even care for them. He knows how messed up we are, but yet God says, I care for you and I love you. And here's the point we need to get. God is a both personal God, yet at the same time incomprehensible. Well, what do we mean by that? He says this over and over again. Go to the very first verse, and it also finishes at the last verse. Our Lord, our Lord. Get that. Verse 1, chapter 8 our lord our lord how majestic is your name now we've done this in church before but i really want you to notice something that word lord means yahweh yahweh is the personal name of god for the jewish people and when this guy is addressing and writing this psalm he's saying my personal god my personal god that's good isn't it? that's reiterated psalm chapter 139 flip a few pages over and I'm going to read this in its entirety, not the whole thing. I'm going to read the first 10 verses in its entirety because I really want you to see this. He says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, get this, before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it what? Isn't that cool? It's kind of scary too, right? You know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me to law, too law to me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Question: Have you ever tried to run away from God? Yep. Yes, you have. Right. Run away from His presence. Run away from His commandment. Run away from His leadership. Yes, you have. I have. You know, there's a guy in Scripture that did that. His name was Jonah. He got swallowed by a whale. So what's the story? Don't run. <laughs> or you get swallowed by a whale. No, you won't. <laughs> Verse 8. If you go up to the heaven, if if I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, and your right hand will hold me what? fast it's so good here what does this mean this means that you have a very personal god and in his in that personal relationship with god he is still majestic which means he is incomprehensible and yet you need to comprehend and try and try and seek and seek because it is a lifelong wonderful journey that is the incomprehensible majestic god question how big is your god how big is he guys go back to psalm 8 notice what happens next he talks about hum humanity what is man that you're mindful of him and they go to verse 5 you make them a little lower than the angels and crown them with glory and honor and in the midst of this there's this undertone that man is completely sinful aren't we I mean yeah 
Man is completely messed up. But yet God still chooses to say, I'm going to make you a little lower than angels. I'm going to crown you as my children. And I'm going to make you mine through Jesus. That's a beautiful story, is it not? The majesty of God means this. He is totally just, yet graciously giving. What does this mean? God and his character cannot let sin go unpunished. Can I say that again? God and his character, tune into this, will not let sin go unpunished. So are you a sinner? Yes. But here's the beautiful thing about his majesty. He doesn't deny his character by not punishing you. He takes out his wrath on Jesus and therefore is graciously giving you got something you're ashamed of? Do you? You got things you wish you'd never done? Absolutely. God is just in that punishment. But through Jesus, you don't get punished. Isn't that good? That's graciously given. So when we think about this guy, he is completely overwhelmed by fallen man and what we do. But then he goes, God, you're majestic. Because you say through your majesty, I am still for you. I am still for you. So here's the question. You ready? You ready? You know what it is, right? How big is your God? Do you have things you're ashamed of? Your God's big enough to forgive it. So, with all the stuff that we're dealing with, our God is big, He is majestic. The question is, how does this impact us? So engage me for about two more minutes. Are y'all ready? How does this majesty of God impact us? I want to give you two thoughts here. God's majesty is displayed in his care and his design of you. Do you see that? How you're created and what you're created for and how you're cared for is God's majesty. Second part is, his majesty defines his greatness. And that means it invites you to worship. Now, you worship, all of us worship something. And what does worship mean? It means you lay your life down and you give it worth. You're giving worth to something, right? In every part of our lives, we do that. We started out this message talking about who's the greatest baseball player. Some of us worship that. We give worth to it. But when we talk about, go back to verse 1. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name? Here's the point. He's inviting you to come into the joy of worship. Period. That's it. The invitation is to let your life be centered around something that is greater than all things, is limitless in all things, is personal and incomprehensible, and at the same time is totally just and punishing sin, but yet completely gracious and forgiving it. That's what you're invited into. That is the character of our God. So again, how big is your God? How big is he? So, two thoughts and then we're out. Because we have another service. Number one, here's your step up application. Remove small thinking 
God is not just the God who gives you your daily bread. God is not just the God you turn to when life is in the toilet. God is the all-encompassing, majestic, and holy one that says your mind. What are your small thoughts on God? Hit delete and get a big picture of who he is. He is beyond anything we imagine. Two, to compare him to what we think is great. What does that mean? Compare him to what we think is great and recognize he's greater than that. There's a passage in Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to end with this. In Isaiah chapter 40, the prophet is describing the nature of God. And he begins in verse 12, and he says this, and this is going to be a few verses, so I want to really hone in. Take your Bible, turn there, take your phone, flip there, whatever you got to do. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 12 through 26. Read this with me. Get this. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or with breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were like fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor is his animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him all the nations are what? Nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless, as less than nothing. With whom then will the Lord compare God? To what image will you liken him? As for an idol, a metal worker cast it, a goldsmith overlays it, and gold and fashion silver's chains for it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. They will look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and his people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out over the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of the world to nothing. No sooner were they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows them off throws them on them and they wither and the whirlwind sweeps them away, away like shaft. To whom will you compare me? That's a good question, isn't it? To whom will you compare God to? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. And here's the encouragement. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? Who will bring out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength not one of them is missing so as you make your comparisons God outweighs it God outlasts it how big how big guys is your God how big is he Years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Patriots Point in Charleston, South Carolina. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's a maritime museum with different ships from across the, across the uh, decades. And the one that was most fascinating to me was, was an aircraft carrier. 
I've never been on an aircraft carrier except for that one, and that was from World War II, but I stepped on it. It was massive. Some of you served on aircraft carriers before. Walked on this thing, and it was bigger than my hometown if you spread it out and put enough people on it. It was huge. It had cafeterias. It had airplanes. It had fuel. It had everything. Unbelievably blew my mind. But the thing about that aircraft carrier is you could take it out about a mile outside of Charleston Harbor, it could sink and totally disappear, disappear, and there's nothing you can do to get down to it. That is the majesty of your God, how whatever you build for yourself, he eclipses. So here's my question this morning. Again, what is it? How big is your God? How big do you need him to be right now? Because he's measured up to it. Lean into him. I want to invite you to worship with me for these last songs. What we're going to be singing is a song called Nothing But the Blood. The reason we sing that, and I think it's so relevant for what we're going to be dealing with this morning, is when we deal with the idea that through Christ, we can have that personal relationship with a majestic God who's robed in majesty and says, I am for you. That is the God that we enter into joy with. Amen? That is the God we worship, and that is the God we celebrate. So I want you to knock the roof off of this church this morning because there is nothing else that remotely compares to the majesty of God and through the blood of Jesus, you get it. And so this morning, if you don't know Jesus, this morning, if you need prayer, this morning, if you need to take that step of faith, whether at home or here, texting the phrase, I need Jesus, check the box off on your Connect card that says, today I need Jesus, you need to be baptized, or I'll be standing to my left for a few moments during the song, come and I'd love to pray with you and tell you about how to know my Jesus. And ask yourself the question, what is it? How big is our God? Let's pray. Father, you are big. We affirm that. We confess that. We know that. We live for that. So, Lord, through the blood of Jesus, we get to celebrate that this morning. So may we experience that, sing that, glorify that in joy, and know that you are good to us. The incomprehensible, limitless, relational, majestic, powerful, great, and holy God, you are good. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Let's stand and worship together, guys. 